Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Brunching with Friends, where we're going to give you the highs and the lows of this week's pop culture, and also some advice that you can lean on. But remember, this ain't a show for your mom and her little friends, and it's also probably not safe for work. Other than that, let's start the show. <laughs> Enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. We are back, 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 back again with another episode of Brunching with Friends. You guys, I've taken a lot of time off and thankfully I did. It's been a lot of things going on. I changed jobs. I've been on vacation. I've actually got some rest that I needed. And so now I am back to give you everything that you want and everything that you need. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Brunching with Friends. Oh, and by the way, you got me today. Um, I thought it would be just uh, me in the studios just to give you guys kind of like a personable experience of the creator of Brunching with Friends. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. All right. Oh, hey, white people. It's me, your fellow white person with the Karen blonde bob. Yeah, so you thought that you could share your racist views with me and that you really like the Confederate flag and the statues and if we take them down, they'll be erasing history. I just want to let you know, you've read the room wrong, bitch. I am not a racist and I have marched in DC for the rights of all human beings and I plan on voting in November. So stop with your conversation with me because I'm about to tattle on you. So let's get into the mess. So much has happened since our last episode of Brunching with Friends, but we'll start from what everybody has been talking about, which is Jada Pickett Smith, August Alsina, and Will Smith. So for those who have been under a rock and you don't know, so August Alsina did a interview with, um, I want to say Angela Yee, where he had alluded to the fact that him and Jada were in a relationship now, mind you, Jada and Will have been together for years, years. You remember when they pulled that Oscar so white? Charlie been together forever. So my thing is, he was stating that Will knew about it and that Will kind of like consented to it. So everybody was like, okay, so if August Alcina is saying this, where is Jada? I mean, Jada, you need to pull up to the red table talking. You need to pull up right now. You need to bring you to the red table talk. And so everybody was, you know, making these memes. Everybody was making videos. And of course, Jada finally responded um, in saying that she was going to bring herself to the red table talk. Now, mind you, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, maybe she's just going to put these rumors to rest. Maybe she's going to say, no, that boy has got a lot going on in his head. None of that ever happened. No, that didn't happen, okay? Jada confirmed. Now, I'm not saying that she uh, 
alluded, she actually confirmed that her and August were in a relationship, which she called an entanglement. Girl, let me tell you something. That tripped me out when she said that she was in an entanglement with this boy. Entanglement, what does that mean? What is the definition of an entanglement? That's the first thing we need to uh, uh, describe. So, Getting into uh, the red table talk because Will was there and it was it seemed a little, you know, off key, like they may have had a conversation prior as to what they were going to discuss and what they weren't going to discuss. But I will commend Will because at the end of the day, he did hold Jada accountable for, you know, saying that she was in a relationship. She kept trying to say entanglement and then he changed it and he was like, no, no, bitch, you were in a relationship. So. It, I, I was kind of um, happy that it did because sometimes as people we like to create words or make up things for uh, other situations when the proof is in the pudding it's right there in front of us so if it was a relationship it was a relationship and let's talk about that and move forward so they continued to talk about it and um, of course Jada went on to say that it was during a time where they had got very close because he was very sick let me tell you something ain't nobody coming up in my house with my significant other being around, my significant other sick or not sick. Listen, if you there, I'm gonna be there too. I'm not leaving you at my house by my by yourself. You don't never do that. You don't never do that. So, of course, it got down to the point where Jada was basically saying her and Will have been in a relationship um, forever. And at that time, when her and August started talking with each other, they were in a really bad place in their marriage. And and I get that. You know, people go through bad spaces in the relationships people go through bad spaces in their marriage and sometimes people do have to take time apart but what you're not gonna do is you're not gonna have somebody else up in my house and you're not gonna have somebody else in my bed you know um in between the sheets in my home you know what i'm saying but at the same time i do understand that they took a break i i get you know being able to look at other options out there however However, um, Jada should have made it clear, which I don't think she did. I don't think she made it clear to uh, August Alcina that, hey, this ain't nothing but a fling. You know what I'm saying? This ain't this ain't going to get serious. I'm still with my husband. We've been together forever. We've been together for years. It's, it's nothing that's going to tear us apart. And I don't think August quite understood that because of his age. And, and of course, you know, age doesn't mean a, a thing about as far as maturity because there are some 21-year-olds who are very mature. And then there are some 30 and 40-year-olds who are not as mature as they should be. So, one of the things that Jada should have made clear up front was, hey, look, you know, we can do what we do. You know, we can, you know, enjoy each other and be around each other. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to go back to my husband. And I don't think she quite made that clear because she had that little boy mind gone. OK. And so now and I'm kind of glad that I waited to do the show because not only um, has Jada got this my boy mind like blown. I don't know what she was doing. Okay, to that boy. I don't know what she was doing. She was probably putting it on him. But um she uh, well not she but he ended up making a song about her calling it entanglements and I was like, oh my God, when will it stop? Please make it stop. And it did not stop. And I'm like, oh my God. And so, of course, you know, I had to listen to the song just to uh, get an idea of what was going on. And my God, today he was talking about things that I uh, don't think people should be talking about, especially, you know, 
when you are in a uh, um, what I guess we're gonna say entanglement. When you're in an entanglement or you cheating on somebody, sometimes you 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 heard that escape song. You're my little secret. Sometimes you just gotta shut the hell up about certain things. Some things should not come to the public eye, and and a lot of individuals like to bring a lot of attention to uh, the public eye when they feel like they've been scorned or they've been done wrong. Listen, so I would have took that information to the grave, and I wouldn't have made a song about it because now. It makes you seem as if you are uh, desperate. It makes you seem like you are thirsty for attention. And it also makes you seem like a, 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 a scorned black man, you know. Uh, but one thing that I will say, and it's very interesting because a lot of times we don't see women doing this. Most of the time we see men engaging in this type of behavior and we... And a lot of guys like to dap the men up and say, all right, cool, play or whatever, whatever. And and now that we see that a woman is doing this, it's like, oh, my gosh, she's wrong for that and blah, blah, blah. No, at the end of the day, if her and Will had some type of understanding, if her and Will had some type of agreement, um, I find it um, perfectly okay for her to have done what she did. Now, mind you, did Will seem hurt behind it? Yes, he did. However... I'm going to tell you this, and you hear here first, I mean, allegedly, there was, there has also been rumors about Will stepping outside their marriage, and I'm 100% sure that Will has done his dirt in the past, and the only reason why Jada did not bring that up at the Red Table Talk is because, one, she was holding accountable to the things that she did, and two, if we were to find out who Will has been allegedly messing with, I think it would destroy not only their marriage, but it will also destroy the public image of them. Um, and I'm not saying that um, it hasn't been destroyed because my God, people, a lot of people looked up to Will and Jada and not me. I mean, I like Will, I like Jada, but as far as relationship goes, you know, sometimes you have to set your own standards and, and your own expectations for when you get in a relationship because you can't try to keep up with the Joneses because the Joneses probably ain't trying to keep up with anybody else but themselves. So you have to be able to look what you, at what you want in a relationship. And once you figure that out, then you'll be at a position to say, okay, this is my goal for my relationship. Not looking at anybody else as a, um, basically as a guideline or a map as to how a relationship should be. Now it's at a point where Jada's like, um, I know this may sound ridiculous, uh, but I don't know who this man is. Um, if I seen him walking down the street, I wouldn't know a thing. Sorry to this man. All right, all right, all right. On to some more mess. So did you guys see where Tory Lanez, Meg Thee Stallion, and Kylie Jenner was hanging out? First of all, that's an issue there. Because y'all, we are in a damn pandemic. And I know that people say we still gotta we still gotta live our lives. We still gotta do the things that we would do on a normal daily basis. But first of all, you are hanging with a Kardashian. Then a pandemic? During a pandemic, you are out here chilling in the streets, hanging out. So they hung out and apparently, uh, I don't know if they had left Kylie behind or if, if Kylie was in the car, but somehow, some way, Meg the Stallion got shot 
in the foot. Because at first, the only thing that we were seeing is that Tory Lanez and Meg were supposedly or allegedly uh, arrested on uh, a gun charge because Tory apparently had a gun in the car. But then it came out that um, after Meg had uh, clarified some things that she actually went to the hospital because she was shot in the foot. Now, I don't know if he was trying to take her out the life game or he was trying to take her out the rap game because, you know, Meg be out here twerking in these streets. But at the end of the day, you sh- this Negro shot this girl, supposedly, allegedly, because I don't know what happened in that vehicle, in the foot. And Meg is not cooperating with the police. Let me tell you something. If somebody shoot me, somebody shoot at me, I'm telling on every single body, okay? They need to run back every video surveillance camera. They need to ask the driver. They need to ask every single body that was in that damn vehicle. Because at the end of the day, you're trying to take me out. You're trying to take your most famous bitch out, all right? So what they failed to realize was in, in in the point of Meg not saying something, they could still have charges Tory can still have charges brought up on him if it were were found out that he shot the gun and he shot Meg because what Meg was saying is that she was shot multiple times in the foot. Like, what? Why are you aiming at her feet? Well, I do understand the man is like 5'3", bro, so that does make sense, and Meg's standing like six feet tall. But at the end of the day, I mean, damn, you just really gonna shoot her in her damn foot. So, we haven't heard or haven't got any more details on the story. The only thing that we have been getting is the fact that uh, her bodyguard spoke out and said from now on, um, he's going to be around her 24-7, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, you have to be very careful and have some type of discernment about the people that you align in your circle. Being famous, I'm not famous, but I, I do understand the um, the concept of, of being famous is because when you're famous, you have to be on guard at all times. And I do get it. So when you're trying to, so as a person who has like a celebrity crush and you try to run up and take a picture on uh, with them, they do have to have some kind of caution because you don't know what people will do. But you also have to be uh, have some discernment about even the individuals that are in Hollywood or in the or in the industry, as you would say, um, because when you don't and you lower your guard and you and you and you lack the quality of discernment. You allow things and people into your life that should not be there. And that's when turbulence happened. And that's what happened in this case, because Meg is from what people see of her online. She's a very free spirit. She she likes to hang with everybody. She tries to be a people's person. And sometimes that can end up, pun unintended, uh, shooting you in your foot in the long run, because then you allow for so many people into your life and you're not carefully selecting the individuals that should be around you, making it more dangerous for you um, and yourself, you know? So think about that even for individuals listening to this podcast. It's very important for you guys to have some sort of discernment about anybody that you allow into your life, even when it comes down to people in your life, family members, friends, uh, even with your spouse. You have to have some type of discernment as to what are uh, their true intentions. And, and we're not saying that you shouldn't trust people, but what I'm saying is that you should have some level of understanding of 
why this person is being allowed into your life at this time. Because the more that you don't question, the more that you allow everything in. And eventually they're going to be uh, people who come in, uh, well, wolves that come in sheep clothing that only want to attack and destroy everything that you're trying to build. So keep that in mind as you're going through your own life and, and don't um, allow for people to be in your car and shoot you in the damn foot. Damn. At this point, I mean, there's so much mess that we could get into. I mean, 2020 has become basically uh, a, a real life version of Jumanji because we don't know what's going to happen hour to hour, day to day. Uh, so the next thing that we're going to talk about is the fact that Nick Cannon um, has been cut from Viacom after running Wild and Out for almost a thousand years. Wild and Out has been on the air for so damn long. So he got cut, um, and basically, I don't know if they're going to replace him or what, but he got cut because he was saying some very anti-Semitic um, things. And at the end of the day, you have to be, you have to realize that when you are on a platform, even if you're not on a platform, the things that you say can and will affect people because words mean things. You hear what I'm saying? When you open your mouth and that tongue start clicking to the top of your teeth and words are formed, you have to ensure. And I understand that people say, well, there are several people out there with no filters that say, everything that they want to yeah and i get that but also as a black person in the industry you have to be very careful as to what you say because you will lose your job over it and what he said i will say he shouldn't have said it because no matter how you feel you do have to realize that you have audience of all cultures all 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 races so you have to be very very understanding of that and no matter how you feel you shouldn't allow for um your personal views to get in front of your work um and if and if you if you can't help that you need to align your personal views with the work that you do on a day to day because he was coming off very hotepish uh, now mind you i know some hoteps and they can give you a uh, a dissertation on um, the the African diaspora, uh, as you would say. But at the end of the day, you have to realize that everyone does not share the same views. And when people don't share the same views as you, it's kind of, uh, it can kind of turn people off. And that's what it did to Viacom because you want me to tell you what else got turned off? Wild and out. Because now you have your ass at home because even though you may have several jobs i do get that but something that you created you are no longer a part of and nick cannon i had saw him that he had got upset because he stepped out i guess he thought he was stepping out on faith but what he didn't know he was stepping off on a broken limb but um he's trying to step out and and speak his mind and end up uh, backfiring because he thought that there were going to be more support behind him and what he realized very very quickly is people ain't gonna lose their job over some shit that somebody else said you hear what i'm saying uh somebody said something to me one day and it cracked me up what you eat don't make me shit so at the end of the day these folks are not going to risk their livelihoods by standing behind some anti-Semitic bullshit. They're not going to do that. What they're going to do is they're going to remain quiet 
<laughs> and I know at the end of the day, I know it hurts. It probably hurt Nick Cannon to the core because he was refusing to apologize at first. But then he see once he saw that people weren't standing behind him, he ended up apologizing. And then he saw that the, then black people started saying, oh, what the fuck you apologizing for now? But what you have to do when you're in any type of career, you have to be very, very careful about what you say because it could cost you your job. Now, if you don't care about that, go ahead, go all Go all out. Be Jasmine motherfucking Collins. You know what I'm saying? Be Jasmine Collins and call that and say, um, listen up, you big, you know, you know the rest. But at the end of the day, you have to be very, very careful as to what you say um, when you have a platform such as that. Even if you don't have a platform, even if you're working at McDonald's and you say some anti-Semitic bullshit, you should be fired. I mean, because you wouldn't want uh, people saying anything um derogatory about your race, right? And in Nick Cannon's head, what he probably said, he didn't feel like it was anti-Semitic, but it was. I mean, because there are a lot of uh, microaggressions that occur. I mean, think about some of the microaggressions that you may have experienced. And and, and yet, yeah, they may be small, but they're still microaggressions, microaggressions and they still can be offensive. Say, for instance, as if someone were to come and touch your hair and say, oh my God, um, I didn't know your hair could coil like this, or you have different hair every day of the week, or something of that nature. You will be very upset because that is very offensive, right? So just take that in mind when we're thinking about the things that we say and, and how impactful our words can be um, when it pertains to um, the way that we talk with other people, okay? All right, y'all, I think we got time for one more messy-ass topic of today. Can we say it on three? One, two, three. How, Swag? How? Kanye West has got his black ass on the internet again. One, he wants to talk about his run, his candidacy, rather, for president of the United States. Now, you know, growing up, they did tell a lot of people that we could be president, but let's let's make it clear. We already have a anybody can be president type of president. We don't need another one. So the thing is, it really bewilders me that the fact that back in 2005, when Kanye West said that George Bush doesn't give a damn about black people. Now, granted, George Bush probably didn't give a damn about black people. You know what I'm saying? But Kanye is a person who is also against black people. When you align yourself with a person who continuously marginalizes people of color, people who are in already marginalized categories, then you are just as bad as that person. So no, we will not vote for you in November. No, we will not allow you to get on the ballot. No, we won't even clap and sing and sing your praises. Because at the end of the day, you are a phenomenal, phenomenal. Let's not take his credit away. He's a phenomenal artist. But sometimes a lot of people like to put the horse before the carriage. Right, that's that's actually right. Put the carriage before the horse. And in his case, he is not thinking a lot of the things he is doing through. And I do get the fact that he is bipolar. And sometimes he has his manic flights of ideas as a therapist. I get that. But 
What we want allowed to happen is the fact that he continues to put out these statements as if they are, were facts. When he said that Harriet Tubman didn't really free the slaves, she just took them, she just took slaves work for more white people. That didn't make sense to me, Kanye. That didn't make sense to me. I knew your ass was on some shit when you got up there and you took that little award from that little girl back in the day at the VMAs and talking about Beyonce had the best album of the year. Now she did. Now granted she did, but you didn't have to hurt that little girl like that. We ain't gonna even speak that little girl name because personally I don't like that little girl. So I'm, so in the, in the back of my mind, I'm kind of glad he did it. But at the end of the day, somebody has to be there to tell him no and it seems as if Kim and the other Kardashians aren't even putting their say so in it well I take that back because he did he's been on a uh, on a tweeting rant these past couple of days and he actually said that Kim tried to have him committed she needs to she 100% needs to. There are some people who say, well, he's a wonderful artist, but there comes a time we have to realize that people need help. These people aren't crazy. Their environment may, may be sick, but these individuals need help. I was I was listening to um, something that Dave Chappelle said uh, yesterday, and um, he was saying that, you know, when he was working um, on a movie with Martin Lawrence, um, during that time, Martin Lawrence had a stroke, and um, and he seen Martin, and he was like, "Martin, how you feeling? How you feeling?" And Martin was like, "You know, that was the best sleep I ever got." You know, a lot of these people, even even the even you as a listener, a lot of us are strong, you know, and sometimes we take for granted our mental health and our overall health until it catches up with us. And at, and at this point, I do believe that his mental health is actually caught up with him because you can only go for so long not taking care of yourself when your body is going to try to go in overdrive to protect it. So my thing and my take on Kanye is this is a person who has a very large platform, just as like all the other people that we've talked about on this uh, show today, these people have very large platforms. However, you have to be able to use your platform for good and not just for the good of some, but for, and try not, and I know you can't please everybody, I get that, but you have to be able to, to say things and do things that is gonna advance us, not push us backwards. You shouldn't be going making statements that are anti-black or anti-Semitic or what have you. You should be going and making statements that is gonna bring hope uh, to a people, especially if you want to run for president. Look at what we have now. We have a president who don't give two dams about whether we live or whether we die. To him, this is a big game. You know, a lot of people don't realize, but Donald Trump is a person who seeks the end game. He doesn't care about anything that goes on in between the game. He only cares about the end and the outcome of the game. So you have to realize with a person that aligns himself with Donald J. Trump, what will he do in office that is going to better us? Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. So for all y'all people out there who, who are listening, who thought that you were going to vote for Trump, uh, Trump or even Kanye come November, bitch, read the room. 
Okay? Read the damn room. Because at the end of the day, you thought wrong. What we need to do is we need to get someone in office that is going to continue. Yes, the next president is probably is not going to be amazing. Whether it's Joe Biden or who have you, you know. We know that the next president is not going to be amazing, but what we want is someone that is going to open up doors of opportunities that is going to allow for us to be pushing forward and not moving back. And a lot of what we have at this moment is a lot of regression instead of progression. So we need to find someone that is going to get in there, get the work done, push us forward, try to, I don't even want to say even the playing field, because, you know, I used to use the word equitable a lot, and then I realized it shouldn't be equitable that I'm using. That's not the word. I should be using justice, because when you, even when you're giving equitable equitable treatment uh, to people, some people still are marginalized beyond that, because no matter the environment, no matter the place that they're in, some people just can't get ahead. So you really should be um, establishing an environment where justice is able to form and justice is able to be brought about. And speaking of justice, they need to arrest the damn police officers who murdered Brianna Taylor. Do you hear me? They need to arrest their ass now. These motherfuckers is out here living their best life, going to the beach, living their life as if nothing ever happened. You murdered a woman in cold blood in her own house, in her own bed. Do you not see? Do you like like I'm not even a detective. I'm not even a judge. I'm not a lawyer or anything like that. But don't we see something wrong with that? I mean, you have a group that is hurt by the actions of officers and nobody is hearing us nobody but at the end of the day i will say eventually there's going to there's going to be some type of justice i just know it because you can only do wrong for so long like i said earlier you can only do wrong for so long because what's done in the dark is going to come to the light so we need to continue to speak up and speak out against any kind of racial injustice, any kind of practice that um, puts marginalized individuals in a difficult and at a disadvantaged position. We need to continue to push those boundaries. We need to continue to speak up and speak out against all of that. Because at the end of the day, if we continue to allow these things to happen and we don't get out and vote, they're going to continue to push us backwards and we're going to regress. And eventually we're going to look up and it's going to be 1950s. You hear me? We is going to walk into a uh, restaurant. It's going to say, colors only, whites only. Let me tell you something. I've lived in the South all my life. And I have come against, you know, um, racism, prejudice, and all of that. But at the end of the day, when I was younger, I was afraid to speak out. Because you don't know what people will do. But now I'm at a point in my life that if I don't speak out, that's not only hurting me, it's hurting all the other people of color. It's hurting all the other marginalized and disenfranchised individuals. So use your voice, use your platform to be able to speak up for what is right. Because sometimes we have to forego doing what is popular in order to do what is right. And on November and in November, what I want you guys to do is vote right, okay? vote right because a lot of us get stuck in our head oh i'll be funny and i'll put kanye down you're gonna fuck us up okay you're gonna put us in a position where we're not gonna be able to grow because you are fucking us up 
with that being said, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, it could have been a scheme that Todd set up for him to come to you with the bullshit. Huh? Well, it could have. Does your friend Lashes look like she had to fight all her life? Are you tired of her being busted and disgusted? Well, check out the Lash Enforcer underscore on Instagram. That's T-H-A-L-A-S-H-E-N-F-O-R-C-E-R underscore on IG. Check it out today. Like I tell, I'm trying to tell y'all, don't worry about what people say about you. They're going to try to belift you. They're going to try to sellize your name. They're going to try to sabotage you. They're going to just try to do anything they're trying to do to destroy you. To store you. All right, all right, all right. We are back. So in the beginning, in the beginning, <laughs> I told you guys that this was going to be a real personable um episode and that's one of the reasons i didn't want uh, to have uh, a guest host this week um which i really ain't feeling not having a guest host i love having the guest host because i love the banter and um the the funny the natural funny that occurs but i really wanted to talk to you guys about where i am in my life and um and hopefully it'll be able to kind of you know inspire other people to think about where they are in their life so um, at first, I want to um, thank, you know, not only um, my high power, which is God, but I want to thank my friends and my family for being so supportive of me um, during what I have called a very difficult point in um, in my life because I had some very tough decisions to make and, and, and they weren't um, easy. And so uh, with that being said, I'm, I'm going to um, kind of take you guys through um, the past five years very, 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 very quickly um, to get you to where I am today. OK, so um, I graduated uh, Mississippi State with a master's in um, 2015. Um, I was hired by um, a company. Um, in Meridian. It was a, a community mental health um, center in Meridian. And um, that was, I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Um, this is my first job as a, as a, as a clinician. Uh, I'm excited. So I take that job. And of course, I took that job and that job was paying, um, I'm going to get very detailed with this, okay? The job was paying $35,000, which in my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm straight out of getting my master's, and $35,000 was a lot of money to me at that time. So I took that job, and I was a, a school-based therapist. After um, probably like a year or so, I did get a raise, but I wasn't happy. I, I wasn't happy because I, I realized that I was, I was putting out a lot more work, um, as, but I wasn't receiving a lot of compensation. 
And um, and yes, a lot of people say, well, you know, KD is not about the money. Well, yeah, but you also want to live and you can't live off thirty five thousand dollars. Some people can, but just not me. So I, I go to um, my boss at the time and I asked her for a raise. Now, um, she didn't give it to me. So um, I said, well, what am I going to be able to do to give me a raise? So I ended up getting my license as a, a clinician. And once I got my license, I received another raise. And so once I, I received my license, I realized that I had more opportunities to do other things. So I got um, two part-time jobs, actually, you know, just to kind of uh, make things happen, make ends meet and things like that. So I started working for a group home and then I started working for a hospital as a therapist. Now, I was excited because I was I was finally getting into uh, my field and doing things that I enjoy doing. But it came around again that, hey, you know, um, I need more money. And so I went to my boss again uh, while I was working at the community mental health center. And I said, I want to raise. Now, this time um, I had some leverage because I was like, if you don't give me a raise, I'm just going to leave, you know. And so she ended up giving me a raise. And um, it took me from making around 37000 to making, I want to say, 42 and um, I was like, yeah, I'm the man. But uh, at the end of the day, they always say when the money starts coming in, you'll never be happy with the amount of money that you make. And that is so true because um, I want to say maybe it wasn't, but six months later, I went back to her and I told her, I said, look, I, I need another raise. And um, at this point, she was like, well, hey, you know, we got this opportunity coming. And if you want it, it's yours. And I was like, shoo, yeah, I want that. I want to do that. Um, and so the opportunity came around. I applied for the position and I became um, a, a director, um, a clinical director at, at, the, at the facility. Well, I, it was another facility that I was clinical director of. And I'm trying not to be so specific because I don't want to put these people out there, you know, bad. But so I did that. And that took me up to about 52,000. Now, here's where the problem started to come. Um, the boss that I had was, um, she was also an end gamer. She didn't care about anything else but the end outcome and the end results, which kind of made working at the facility very difficult because you want someone to believe in your your vision, you want someone to believe in your goals. And a lot of times I didn't feel supported in that, but I also knew that, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a black male therapist. I can do way more. Um, and, and that's when I started doing way more. I started um, putting um, more on me than I should. And when I did that, she was like, oh, well, here, do some more, do some more. And then it came back to that position of me doing a lot of work, but not getting compensated for the work I was doing. So eventually another opportunity came available at one of my part time jobs as a director. So I was like, shoot, I'm going to apply for this. I may not get it. I may not get it, but I'm going to apply anyway because I want my name to be in the room when it happens. I want my name to 
be known and I want to be in a position where uh, I feel that the work that I'm doing matches the, the compensation that I'm receiving. So luckily, you know, I got an interview. I did the interview, the first interview I did. Um, and all of this, I was keeping from everybody. I didn't let anybody know. I didn't let anybody. I think I probably let my best friend know. Um, but I, other than that, um, I didn't let anybody know because I didn't want to seem as if I had failed at something. So from there, I got the first interview and um, the team, they loved me. And I was like, okay. So that same day, I got called back for a second interview. And I was like, well, this is getting serious because um, what I didn't tell you guys is I had already planned to uh, move to Louisiana. I was in the process of changing my uh, license over to Louisiana because I said, if I'm not going to make what I think I deserve I make, I should make, then I'm going to leave. But um, it's funny how, you know, God shows up and shows out because once I did that um, interview, about a week later, they called and offered me the job as a as a director of a facility. And I was like, man, this is crazy. I, um, I can't believe that I've done all of this in the time span. And mind you, I'm only I'm I'm only 29 right now. So I was about 27 at the time when all that happened. And so when I got the job offer, of course, I took it. And I did not want to turn my resignation into my boss at the Community Mental Health Center because she um, she gave me a chance. Um, she hired me right out of college, which most people don't get jobs in their field right out of college, you know, and I was very thankful for that. But I had to do what was best for me. And a lot of times we get so we feel so guilty about doing what is best for us that it gets in our way of success and our way of opportunities. So eventually what I did was um, because I had to start my new job um, on July 11th of um, 2018. Yeah, 2018. Uh, And so I typed in my resignation letter and I uh, gave it to uh, the secondary supervisor at work because the, my main supervisor was not at work that day. And so I was like, this is the perfect time to do it because I was just nervous. I did not want to turn that resignation in. And literally I gave it to her and about five minutes later, uh, my supervisor called and she was livid. Um, she did not like the fact that I was leaving um, or anything like that. But I told her, you know, there's nothing that you can do. Um, I've enjoyed and I'm very thankful for the opportunities you gave me, but it is time for me to move on. And a lot of us have to know out there when it's time for you to move on from a job. You shouldn't have to work a job and barely making ends meet um, and stay there just to make someone else, make your supervisor happy. I know that I was doing great work there. I know that the kids loved me there. I know this, but I also have to do what's best for me in order for me to continue to grow up the ladder, just as she did. And so many people get in their mind that, oh, um, I shouldn't um, leave because I know they need me. 
Girl, let me tell you something. If you die, those same people will find your replacement by next week. I can guarantee you that. And they might not even send flowers. So I become director of this facility, uh, this new facility. And I, uh, at that time, I had quit all my other jobs because I was making, um, when I first started, I was making $65,000. I was like, man, you know, I'm the man, you know, I'm doing it up. I'm doing it up. I'm making enough money to take care of me. And, um, and I was like, shoot, this is it. So my first year go by and I enjoy my first year. I'm taking trips. I, I, I moved into uh, a house and, and everything. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm the man. I got it all made. So from there, I was like, wow, this is this 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 feels really good to be the boss, you know, because I was the boss. And um, then that cycle started back up, you know. That cycle started back up. And a lot of times when black people or or someone who is in a marginalized category is placed in a position of authority, you kind of get, um, um, I don't want to say mistreated um, because I wasn't mistreated, but I will say that I was looked over a lot of times because um, there were moments where I was supposed to receive um, bonuses and it didn't happen. Um, there were times where I was supposed to get a higher raise and it didn't happen. And that first year I was like, oh, shoot, you know, I, I'm not going to worry about that. I'll just get it next year uh, because I had found myself back in the position of not understanding and knowing my worth. <clears throat> I was doing so much in this company because I'm the type of person that if something needs to be done, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my all in it. I'm going to give everything I got. That's one of the reasons that I love and I also hate doing therapy. Because when I do therapy, I don't do it half-ass. I give it every single thing that I have. I give it all that I have. And it drains me. It physically drains me. Because I'm trying to make sure that by the time that we end this session, that you get some sort of clarity on what you came in for. You don't may not have to find all the answers, but you're getting some sort of clarity. And and so working the job, it it, it was kind of draining me. I started doing things that I wouldn't normally do. I found myself um, drinking more. Um, I would go home, not every night, but every other night I found myself drinking. Um, and then my sister uh, made a comment. She was like, boy, you show a lot of drinking a lot. And, I was, and she was like, you need to be very careful because, you know, um, our dad is an alcoholic. Uh, and I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And so, but I, I really listened to that. And then it didn't dawn on me that the job started changing me until two things happened. Um, I started to get gray hair, which we all know I'm getting older. I'm getting older, you know. So, of course, gray hair is expected. But this was kind of like a like stress gray hair. And I'm like, wait a minute. I, I ain't trying to age. And it felt like the job was aging me. And I, and I, and I didn't appreciate that. Um, and, and then I started smoking. I started smoking cigarettes, and um, hence my deep voice now, because my voice used to be very, very high, and and now it's like a smooth, very white kind of voice, but uh, which I'm kind of thankful for. But um, I started smoking, and I was smoking a lot, and and I and I didn't like that. So 
the next year, um, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get my raise. I've been doing everything I'm supposed to. I've met my goal. We got we got buku of patients. We treat the patients right, blah, blah, blah. My team rocks and everything like that. And then it comes down to I didn't get another bonus. And also during that time, I had received my doctorate. When I received my doctorate, um, my, my boss kept saying, oh, we're going to compensate you. You're going to get um, you're going to you're going to be making money and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, OK, OK. You know, I'm, I am here for this. I am here. I I told myself that I wanted to be in the room and baby, I have finally made it to the room. But what I didn't know is they didn't have a chair for me in that room because when I received my doctorate, Now, mind you, I was making $65,000 at the time before I received my doctorate. My boss gave me a $10,000 raise that pushed me up to $75,000. And I was like, what the freak? Because in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, you know, I'm about to get paid. I got my doctorate. And it's not just any kind of doctorate. It's a professional doctorate. It's a clinical doctorate. You know, I I can go and do, you know, any and everything with this, so I know they're going to compensate me. Well, that 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 was not the case, you know. Um, yes, um, I did receive um, a ten thousand uh, dollar raise, but that was not the compensation that I was expecting. And I don't want anyone listening to this to feel as if I am being um, what you say selfish or not thinking about what other people make. No, because everybody that is listening to this, everybody who um, is in a field or a career, even if you work at McDonald's, you have the ability to go to your supervisor. You have the ability to go to your higher ups and say, you know, I'm worth worth more than this than you're given because these companies, they have the money. They see the work that you do. They have the money because the company would be nothing without you. The company would not exist. The company would not run. The company would not work without you. And that's what you have to keep in mind, that you are the key to their success. And I knew that. And I was like, man, you know, for me being the key to your success, I sure ain't getting compensated like I'm supposed to. So that fall of 2019, I said, you know what? I'm tired of this. I am not going to be because I I set a goal for myself before I turned 30 that I was going to make a hundred thousand dollars. And I said, I'm going to reach that goal for sure. And so what I did was I applied to several jobs across the board, several jobs, several jobs. And I came up on a job for a hospital for a crisis director position in Wausau, Wisconsin. Um, the position was for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And and at that time, I was like, man, you know what? That's me. That's me. I don't know if I'm going to get it, but I'm going to apply for it anyway, because if it's in God's will, I'm going to do it. So I apply for the job. I get an interview and I get another interview and I get an offer letter for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I take that offer letter, I think on it for about two or three days, and I ended up turning the job down because I was so sure, so sure that I was going to get the compensation that I deserved at where I worked currently. But it never came. And I 
beat myself up. I cried for, I want to say, maybe two or three weeks randomly at spells that I had given up that opportunity. So I went back on the job search. I started applying for jobs in Arizona, started applying for jobs in California, started applying for jobs in Louisiana, Alabama, everywhere. But nothing was clicking. Nothing was clicking. I got I got interviews. I got interviews. And then I got an interview with a um, a reservation um, in Arizona. And they were like, you know what? You will never be the boss because most people who uh, work for the res- reservation that are in management positions are Native Americans. And I said, that's fine. But um I said, I want to feel as if if the work that I'm doing is being fairly compensated. And they understood that. But then COVID-19 happened and nobody made any offers. So I'm just sitting at the house. So one day I came up on a job and it was in the Delta in Mississippi. And I was like, hmm, I'm just going to apply for this. It's it's not something that I normally would apply for because it's not specifically in my field. But I said, hey, let's give it a shot. Um, and so I did. And um, of course, they rejected me. And I was like, oh, God, I've never been rejected. I don't like that feeling. <laughs> but then... Um, the person who is over the uh, company at this time reached out to me and said, hey, we don't want you for that position. We want you. We're going to make a position for you. And I said, what? You're going to make a position for me? He was like, yes, we're going to make a position for you. And that was like, wow. You So you're thinking about me in the process of you making this position. He was like, yeah, and we want you on our team. And hearing those words, hearing how he supported me in that moment to just say, I want you on my team. I believe in what you can do. That made me feel so good about myself, despite the money that made me feel so good about myself. So that happened in April of 2020. So then it came down to um, the negotiation of money. Now, because I work here currently, I'm not going to specifically tell y'all what I make, but your boy is in the money. Your boy makes good. But I had to make a decision um, because I received my offer letter um, June 1st. And um, I knew that the contract started July 1. and But I didn't know whether I wanted to leave my old job or go to this new job making way more money um definitely 30 plus thousand dollars more money um than i was making at my older job so i was like man this is this is something that's going to be good for me and also it's something that i did my uh, dissertation around i can actually see myself and see people supporting my my vision and my goals to help you know um younger African-American teens or younger kids, period, you know? So I thought about that. I thought about that for weeks. And then it came down to about three weeks out. And I said, I got to make a choice. And my choice was initially going to be stay at your current job. And then I heard a voice in my head that said, no, 
you have given your all for this. You have gotten this company to where they need to be. Now it's time for you to continue to move on and go out there and be successful because people will keep you in a box as long as you let them. And I'm not the type of person who likes to be kept in boxes. I like to continue to reach goals. I like to continuously outdo my own self. And so I said, uh, I said, well, I need a day off. And I took a mental health day and, and I came um, to the new job and just to get a feel of it and if I would like it. When I got there, they made me feel like home for from the jump. They made me feel as if I was at home. And so the decision was made from there because at my old job, I was not being supported as I should. So when I found uh, a company and I found people that saw my vision, that looked like me, that heard my voice, that actually saw me for me and actually saw my vision for what it was, I couldn't turn that down. I could not turn that down. So what I did was I went and I told a few people that were at my old job that I was going to leave. They didn't like it, but they accepted it. They were like, okay, so when are you going to turn in your resignation? And I said, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. But this time I wasn't scared to turn in a resignation because I wasn't that person that I was a few years back that felt as if I owed this company anything. Because I came to work and I did above and beyond what everyone else was doing. So I didn't owe them anything. If anything, they owed me, but we're not going to get into that. So from there, from there, I said, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do about a resignation letter. I, don't, I, I just don't know. And so I started to think. I said, do I owe them a resignation letter? Do I owe them a, a, a notice, a two-week or a month notice? And then I got down to thinking, and I said, no, I don't. I don't owe anybody anything, and here's my reason why. And I hope everybody understands. When you work for an individual, especially in the state of Mississippi, you are hired at will. Yes, it is common courtesy. Yes, it is professional. Yes, it is all those things to leave a notice, to give them a warning that you're about to leave. But here's the thing. Where is their common courtesy? Where is their professionalism when they see that you are drowning in a sea of work and they not reach out to support or help you. And 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 here's the thing. A lot of times people will say, because I'm pretty sure a few people who I used to work with is listening to this. A lot of times they'll say, well, we tried. No, 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 no. There's a difference between um, actually offering genuine help rather than trying to make someone look as if like they don't know anything. And that, that And here's the problem. I was doing everything. So pulling me out of the equation was kind of like pulling a Jenga block out, out the bottom of the, uh, of, of the stack. And I knew that. But you have to also know, for those who are listening, who, are, who, who found themselves in this position, you don't owe them people anything. Because just like I said earlier, if you die, they're going to replace you the next day. You hear me? 
You don't owe them a damn thing. What you owe to somebody is yourself for you to continue to be successful because those same people are going to make sure they're successful by any means necessary and they will leave at the drop of a hat. So you have to be the one that guides your success and you also have to be able to listen to your spirit. You have to be able to listen to when things just don't seem right. You also have to be able to have that awareness and that discernment that I was talking about earlier to know when you got to get up and leave. Because if you don't, you will find yourself stuck at a job for 30, 40 years making the same pay. While someone new comes in that is making $150,000, the only thing they do is, 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 is secretarial work. Hmm. But what you will realize is People who find themselves in that position, you have to know the power that you hold in the company. Yes, you could go back and try to negotiate some deals with them if you want to. But at the end of the day, never stay somewhere that you're not happy. And I wasn't happy. I was not happy. But now I have found myself at a complete stage of happiness, which happiness is a continual um, uh, a continuous journey to try to get to, but I have found myself content and happy with where I am with my life because I'm making what I um, envisioned me making. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the things that I saw me doing. So you have to be able to know and set those goals for yourself and never let anyone stop you and never let other people get in your head to tell you, oh, this ain't the right way. You should do it. Do it your way. Because at the end of the day, the only person that has to live with those choices are you. When you do it the way that you want to do it, the only person that has to be accountable for those choices are you. So make your moves today. Make the moves that are going to make you happy. Make the moves that are going to make you successful. Make the moves that are going to put you in a playing field that you know that you can handle. Because these people are not playing checkers. They're playing chess. So you have to be just as strategic as them. Because if you don't, you're going to find yourself without a queen, without a rook, without anything on the board. You're going to find yourself losing. So put yourself in a winning position. Put yourself in a mindset of that you know that you have the power. Because if you don't, then you fall for the old saying of, well, I owe my boss everything. No, you don't. You owe them a damn thing. Because at the end of the day, it's a business to them. It's a business. They come to work. They do their job. They go home. And that's the same thing you should do. You come to work, you do your job, and you go home. If you don't like it, then you move on. You move on to something that you think that you're gonna, that's going to be better. And for people who uh, want to take a leap, a risk, a faith, or whatever, do it. Do it. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to look back when you're 50 and 60 saying, man, I wish I could have done that. I wish I could have um, um, created something or I could have started my own business. You can. Yeah, it may be tough in the beginning, and you may hear no's along the way, but you have to be able to put yourself in a position where you know that you're going to be happy in the end. And sometimes, yeah, that may mean taking less money. And sometimes that may be meaning taking more money. But whatever you do, do it out of your choice. Don't ever do something out of the out of the um the wants of other people because when you allow for people to, other people to guide your life you will be stuck 
and you will be complacent and you don't want to be stuck and complacent because those are two places that will that are very difficult to come come out of right so with that being said you guys thank you so much for listening to the show this week of course I ain't letting you down. We do have another show this week coming out. Um, This was just a show for me to kind of get a lot off of my chest. And I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I really enjoyed this personal time with you. Now, hey, kings and queens, you have done it again. Constantly raising the bar for us all and doing it flawlessly. At times, it can feel like the world has counted you out. So it's necessary that you can count on yourself. Trust me, I get it. It's tough. It may feel like you're the only one who believes in your dream, but that's just it. You have to believe in them. Don't let anyone crush them. Now, don't get me wrong. Haters are a good thing. They should motivate you, not distract you. And while it is essential to stay focused, it's also important to rest. Make sure your hustle doesn't get in the way of your health. (laughs) Take care of yourself. You are brilliant, you are needed, and you are worthy. You are 100% (laughs) that you know. (laughs) Oh, yes. All right, you guys. With that being said, thank you for listening to the show. We out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Brunching with Friends. Please send all of your questions to brunchingwithfriends at gmail.com. That's B-R-U-N-C-H-I-N-W-I-T-F-R-E-N-Z at gmail.com. Send your questions today.